You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Time to lock and load. Time to get control. Time to search for soul and start again. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. Very excited to bring on our next guest. And at this point, I've run out of creative ways to introduce her because she's on here all the time and we appreciate it because we love having her join us on these shows. Ladies and gentlemen from Buccaneers.com, the one, the only Carmen Vitali. Carmen, how you doing? I'm great. I told you guys before, I think people are going to get tired of hearing my voice. No, never. <laughs> Impossible. Yeah, even if they do, we're not. So it's, it's, it's our show. We can, we can have whoever we want on. That is true. Oh, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. So, Carmen, I mean, get, getting right down to it, right? We've been reading a lot of, of work on your site. I've even taken a couple of the things you've done and kind of written my own little cool synopsis of it, trying to trying to to just tell people just how much stuff you guys are doing, even though it's the off season. And you've done a lot of you've been doing a series of interviews with the new coaches on the team that have all been really interesting. Uh, Bruce Arians is obviously the most fan famous one, right? But yeah. Todd Bowles is actually the one who has the most recent head coach experience. And that's he. I wanted to kind of start off with with Coach Bowles. How do you think his experience with the Jets is going to impact his work that he does now in Tampa? Now that he's a coordinator again. Um, so I asked him something similar, and we talked. We talked about it before because that was a big kind of question. Like, what did you take from you know being the head coach and all that kind of stuff? Um, and his response basically was, and it's true. You know, he joked about it, but as a head coach, like as a coordinator, you can just do X's and O's. You can do football, you know, hang out with your team. You have your guys and then you go home and then that's it. If anything else like extraneous pops off with the team or, you know, there's something else that happens, what, whatever it is, good or bad, you don't have to deal with that. But when you're the head coach, you're that guy that has to deal with all of that. Um, and it make, it forces you to look at the bigger picture and what is outside of just the X's and O's with the team. Um, and what kind of came through to me as well was the importance, and this was probably first instilled with BA because BA is a really big proponent of this, but really getting to know your players and like outside of football and developing relationships with them outside of football, because that's, what being a head coach is, it's, it's managing people. It's not necessarily, you know, the nitty gritty of, you know, all of like the schematics and everything like that. It's managing, you know, people. So you have to start building relationships a little bit more and going more in depth with that kind of stuff. So he said that he, you know, would carry that then over with him, despite the fact that, no, he's a coordinator and he really only, his job description is only the X's and O's and scheme and all that kind of stuff. But he's been on the other side and realized the benefit to developing those relationships with his players, with the coaching staff, you know, with all of that. Although he doesn't need to really develop a relationship with his coaching staff because a lot of these guys he's been with for decades. So, but that was really interesting to me. And I think that, you know, it will um, translate a lot. Like it, I, it'll, it'll be like having, I think, multiple head coaches really 
you know, the way they, they act and stuff. But I think that he likes being able to kind of focus on football too. Jumping over to the other side of the ball, when you were speaking with offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich, you know, you guys went into that that infamous game where he broke his leg and, and continued playing <laughs> when he was at Marshall. He talked about dropping 69 points in a basketball game against guys that ended right. up going to the pros, but he wouldn't drop any names. I wanted him to drop names so badly. Um, I know. But one of the things that I found the most interesting is when you asked him for his it moment and when he decided that the kind of coaching was the right thing and he was shadowing Bruce in Arizona and and Bruce told him you know if you see something speak up and he just kind of sat there and he was quiet but he said the longer he was there he started his mind started racing he was thinking you know why are they doing it this way why aren't they doing that that way and, and all this mm-hmm. and after that he was all in when you see yeah. Byron talk about you know, his playing days and then talk about coaching. I mean, is, is that, is the spark the same? Do you think maybe even coaching is, is a little bit bigger of a passion for him given his competitive nature and the fact that he can't play any longer? I mean, kind of, how does, how do the two compare when it comes to a guy entering his first year as an offensive coordinator? Yeah, he, um, well, he was in Arizona too under Steve Wilkes, but he, was it was a different kind of when he was talking about like his playing days you can tell that like he has just a special kind of affection for those days um but then when he starts talking about coaching and like on his whiteboard you know are all of these plays written up and there's it was so neat and meticulous and that's why i wanted to call that out in my little like intro because he like his once he started talking about coaching and the chess match that it is and saying that like he's like wait a second i can make this guy go here and this guy go here and this is what's gonna happen like that's really cool and then his eyes would go back up to like his plays and it was like it was like his little babies like he was like yeah like he just loved being able to and that's i mean a lot of quarterbacks i feel like are like that and that's probably why they make really great coaches in the end because you know as a quarterback you're having to see the field and especially in an offense like bruce's um which Byron operated in, in Pittsburgh, like a lot of the responsibility of what play to actually run is left up to the quarterback. So you're, you're feeding off of these concepts that you go into the huddle with, but then you have to recognize certain things in the defense and based on what the defense is giving you, that's what you end up calling. So now like that's just kind of like a small play by play sample size. But now Byron gets to do that on like a whole game basis and come up with a game plan and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's different, but there's definitely like a sparkle in his eye when he talks about what he gets to do as the offensive coordinator and moving guys around. I do think that he wishes that he still could go out there and be the one to execute it. Um, but cause it's, I, I have to imagine it's hard giving up that like knowing yourself and knowing like, Oh, I could do this and I could do this. And then like seeing someone not be able to do it would be, would get really frustrating. Um, but I think he likes being able to see the whole thing and, and manipulate the whole thing. And he's just, he's so like, you can just see when you're looking at him, like when he's talking, like you can see in his eyes, like his mind is working. It's really cool. He's, he's a really cool guy. That's awesome. I think it's going to be really helpful, especially for the development of, of Jameis to have a guy who, not only knows the scheme as a coach, but can literally put himself in the pads, in the helmet, in the pocket of what he's oh, yeah. telling Jameis to do and, and relate, you know, as that, as that player. 
um, better than, I mean, any coach who's played the game can do that, but literally, like you said, Byron has executed this scheme. So yeah. even, even better talking to moving over to coach uh, Goodwin. I always want to say Godwin, uh, <laughs> to coach Goodwin, uh, in his introductory press conference, right? Obviously he talked about the offensive mm-hmm. line being his passion. And then he talked yeah. about how coach Warhop is really closing season as a mentor. A lot of people mm-hmm. have been down about the offensive line. You know, that as well as anybody mm-hmm. else having interacted mm-hmm. now, both with coach Warhop and coach Goodwin, where do you see similarities and differences just in their, in their personalities? Obviously you haven't gotten a chance to really see him coach yet, but in their personalities, right. where do you see those similarities and differences? And how do you think the offensive linemen uh, on the roster are going to, going to take to, to coach Goodwin? I didn't know coach Warhop as well as I knew some of the other coaches. So it's hard for me to really say what they're, and I, I mean, I've gotten to know coach Goodwin a little bit more, but personality wise, they're both pretty, like they're very jovial. They're outgoing. They're, you know, they're, they're very likable guys and they're very charismatic. I would say coach Goodwin is a little more intense than coach Warhop was. Um, just from my interactions with him and not intense in a bad way by any means, but you know, he's, he's very purposeful in, in how he speaks and, but he, at the same time, you know, he'll bust out with like a huge laugh. Like if, you know, the one moment he's serious, the next moment, you know, he's joking and laughing. Um, but I think that his, and from and mostly like I've seen, so I watched all or nothing and coach Goodwin is on that. He doesn't have a ton of camera time um, on that show. And I think like he likes it that way, but he, uh, he's very impassioned when he talks to his players. And I think that the guys will really take to that. Um, and you know, he just sees the way everything kind of fits in, um, with like how the offensive line, you know, he, he puts everything on the offensive line's shoulders. Um, but he's also the run game coordinator. So he recognizes that that goes hand in hand with everything. But I think a lot of the emphasis is placed on the offensive line to the point where it doesn't matter who you have in the backfield, this dude should be getting through, like, because this is our job to do it. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing how that ends up shaking out with him. Jumping over to, uh, of course, the, the main event, the, the headliner, Bruce Arians, you mm-hmm. were, you were fortunate enough to get to spend 25 minutes with him in his office. And, and I'm sure that was, yeah. I'm sure the things that didn't make the article were even better than the things that did, because of course, some things, you know, <laughs> the Bruce says you just can't print. Um, but when he was hired, <laughs> he, he talked about reloading, not rebuilding. And, and when you were, when you were speaking with him, he stressed again how talented this team is. And he keeps saying things like, you know, he's never seen or he's, he, he's never joined a team with this much talent, especially at the skill positions. Right. But yet he stresses the defense and making the defense better. And for a team that went five and 11 back to back years, yeah, he's very confident that this team is going to contend and believes that they can contend for a Super Bowl, obviously sooner than later. Uh, you know, he's, he only has the, the four year contract with the, with the fifth year option. How quickly do you believe that this kind of defensive turnaround can happen? And how quickly do you believe that Bruce believes it. Um, I think Bruce wholeheartedly believes it can happen next year. To be totally honest with you, like I, I think that having Coach Bowles 
at the helm of this defense um, is going people. I mean, because people want to say, okay, well, he was the head coach of the Jets. The Jets weren't very good, you know, whatever. But people, I don't think, realize how crazy of a defensive mind he has and how unique his system is. Um, and if you already have pieces, and, and Coach Bowl said this even, you know, that he's going to go based off of, like, the scheme and everything will be based off of the guys that are already here because we have talented guys that are already here, like Bruce has said, like Coach Bowl said, like everybody has said that. Um, and so if you have the talent, but you're just trying, so you, all you have to do is maximize it. Um, and so I think that there is some validity to the fact that the defense was predictable in a lot of ways these past couple of years. Um, and I think that if you watch any of the Jets film, or if you watch any of the places that Coach Bowles has been a defensive coordinator and has implemented his system, predictable isn't something that you're going to use to describe that. So I think, I think BA, I think Coach Arians knows what he has in being able to get Coach Bowles as a defensive coordinator. And he's, like he said, he's not worried about the offense. The offense is going to score points. Um, and the last two years, going 5-11, and 11, though, at the end of the day, the offense has scored points. Um, so having, you know, this, like, whatever hybrid system that Coach Bowles ends up bringing in, um, I think that that turnaround can happen very quickly given the fact that you don't need to add a whole lot to this defense. You just need to maximize what you already have. And I think that that's why they're also confident. Now, staying on, on Coach Arians, I took a little heat recently for my take uh, on the show on the offensive line, basically saying that uh, from from looking at the roster from top to bottom and kind of what I understand is Coach Arians, what he said publicly about his goals for the roster, that this offense may not look all that different next year as far as personnel. Uh, now, obviously, some of the execution things, and you know, there may be one or two players that aren't uh, here that were here last year, but um, do, do you kind of get that same feeling, or do you feel like maybe some of these fans who want like two or three major changes and shakeups on the offense are going to get what they want? Um, uh, no, I really I do think that it, the offense is going to look very similar, especially personnel-wise, because, I mean, you really – it's not broke enough to have to fix it when you have to fix the, the defensive side of the ball. Right. So you're not going to be able to make splash changes on both sides. And of the two sides, the defense obviously needs it more. That I would venture to say, like I said, and, you know, the offense hasn't really been the issues. Yeah, you've had, you know, some, like, offensive line issues and, um, you know, the run game could stand to be improved. And, you know, Coach Arians has stress that he wants a solid run game for Jameis in particular yeah. because that helps him out a lot more. Um, but I don't think that that means that, you know, there's some big splash player that needs to come in um, yeah. in order to help the running game. I think that you work with what you have on that side of the ball. And, you know, he said he wants to focus on defense. And what was interesting too, and what he told me was that he wants to focus on special teams, which is not something that you hear um, very often. And he felt that's an area, like an area where the Bucks have been lacking um, due to personnel. So he wants bigger and faster guys. <coughs> excuse me, bigger and faster guys um, on special teams, and and you know and how that affects the roster top to bottom. Um, but if you're trying to make changes on that side and that aspect of the ball and, and on defense, 
you know, the offense didn't struggle enough for you to have to worry about them, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of the point I was getting at when I when I said what I said about the offensive line, specifically in the offense in general. And that now that you mentioned that, I mean, going back again to your to your uh, your article there on Buccaneers.com with Bruce Arians, I mean, he said like that's kind of where the three four comes from because if you want bigger, faster guys on special teams, you need more linebackers. If you have more linebackers, right. it just makes sense to play more linebackers, uh, which which kind of you know bleeds naturally into a three four uh, base system. So it all kind of goes hand in hand. Um, I like it. I think a guy like Bobo Wilson probably likes the fact that uh, you know that that Coach Arians is looking for a focus on special teams because he's definitely got you know, that. That's a door open for him to to clinch a roster yeah. spot if he can if he can become that return guy. So yeah, and the whole thing, you know, when he first came in, you know, he developed this practice system that is shockingly unique to you right? know, to, like to what he's done. Like, I don't understand why that's not a normal thing. It's sort of, you know, simultaneously run two practices that way you're developing those guys, you know, on special teams or whatever and getting them the reps that they need to develop into players because yeah, some of these guys, that's all they need is just a, is a, a rep. Yeah. Um, and you know, especially like when you have the new guys coming in, you know, the rookies and stuff that you've just drafted, um, or even, you know, guys that you sign in free agency that are getting used to an entirely new system. I mean, I can't stress enough how crazy it is to walk into a new team. I mean, our whole team is going to have to do this because, you know, the systems are changing and the, so the terminology changes. So it's basically like these guys have to learn a whole other language. But I mean, can you mm-hmm. imagine being a free agent or just a guy that's, that was been released midseason comes into a team like what Andrew Adams did last year? to get mm-hmm. immediately comfortable with the defense enough to, you know, have three interceptions in one game. It's <laughs> like, you're not, you're at that point, you're not even, you don't even know the terminology yet. Right. Like you're just like having to tap guys, you know, and basically equate what you ha- were used to before and be like, Oh, okay. So this means this now in this defense and, and having to like, and that slows you down in a lot of ways. So I don't like, I just think, that though that practice system can be of such like, of such great benefit to so many guys, and I don't understand why more teams don't do it. Right. I mean, I know uh, Scott Reynolds. You know, Peter Report recently just uh, sat down with with uh, Ronald Jones, and that's one of the things he said is that hearing that the coach is going to have two practices, is that he's never heard of that before, and it's just it it really is is one of those things that's so smart that you know it, it's like wh- why hasn't this this happened before um right like when i when i first heard it i was like is that even i was i was worried like, is that even allowed like is that a thing that they can do right. and yeah they can do it I was like well then why wouldn't you why wouldn't you take advantage of that you know um okay. it's like if you suck at shooting get get more get more range time you'll get better at shooting it just it just makes sense right yeah so we'll see i'm excited to see that um you know starting in the spring and everything with mini camp and all that i'm really excited to see that well, of course, before there's mini camp, we we have to touch on the big event that starts next week, which is, of course, the NFL scouting combine. And yeah. following the combine, of course, there is the draft. So you guys at, at Buccaneers.com have been doing your, your draft primers. And so far, uh-huh. they've all been defensive players. Are you Are you trying to tell Buccaneers fans something <laughs> over there? Um, no, and I actually just realized that today I was like, oh, I haven't done an offensive player yet. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> spoiler alert, they're just plot prospects that I find interesting. 
Um, and I am a defensive girl by nature, um, so I tend to flock towards that. But I promise you that next week I will pick some offensive players in there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really that that wasn't on purpose. But there are, especially like this draft, though it's hard because I want to highlight a lot of these defensive ends, defensive like tackles. Like it's such a deep draft for the mm-hmm. defensive line that there are just so many guys to talk about. And I think I just got a little overzealous with that. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, for those, for anybody who uh, hasn't, I don't, I don't know if you're a Bucks fan during the off season, how you haven't been to Buccaneers.com, but just in case anybody out there hasn't been to Buccaneers.com recently, um, you've already done primers on Quinn and Williams, Greedy Williams, Brian Burns, and uh, Devin White, who you also mocked to the Bucks in yours and Scott Smith's uh, first mock draft of the season, right? Um, sure did. And granted, Quinnen was already gone uh, because you sent him to New York, um, which I'm sure after playing college football in Alabama, he'll appreciate that you sent him to New York. Um, <laughs> but you mocked White to the Bucks, and then your first draft process or uh, profile was on White. So, right. is it just because, or is it is he your favorite of the group, or is it just because he's a linebacker and you can't hide your bias? Um, it's definitely more of the, the latter, but, um, I really, it started with the mock draft and I would have probably gone with the Quinn and Williams route if he was still there. Um, but he wasn't. So I took a line, I took Devin White because again, I just think that he's a great athlete, um, and just really versatile and can fit within any sort of scheme. And, you know, it'd be really crazy to have. Like, and again, and I've said this before, I said this on Twitter to somebody, I don't think that Juan and Devin White is an either or situation. Like, I think that you can have both, you know, just because you re-signed Juan doesn't mean that you wouldn't take Devin or vice versa. Um, And it would be really like, how cool would it be to have three LSU linebackers? That's a great university to get linebackers out of. Um, But yeah, and then that's what, and then when I started my prospect primers, I was like, well, I probably have to go with the guy that I chose for the Bucks start it off with so that was that was more um happenstance than anything else i'm not trying to subliminally say anything <laughs> no, that makes um, sense. Well, yeah i'm not trying to nudge anybody in any certain direction and <laughs> as the caveat goes in our mock draft this is just scott and i spitballing it's not right. you know not insider knowledge that we have or anything like that because uh, we don't have it it's, it's kept very very close to the vest um even within the, the confines of advent health training center yeah, I'll tell you what, Carmen. If you really so you're gonna go offense with your with some of your upcoming uh, profiles, right? If you or your primers, yep. if you really want to watch Twitter burn, do one on a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, um, and and that's not out of the realm of possibility because these are just primers that are process I find interesting. It's not necessarily that you know the Bucks are gonna take them. Um, um, it's just to be a little bit more educated about the draft in general. Um, because actually, and like Scott pointed this out today in him and Casey have a road to the draft video out that just came out today where they talk a little bit about, um, you know, especially the Kyler Murray with Kyler Murray declaring for the, you know, the NFL and committing to the NFL, I should say, um, yeah, sir, we're not in the market for a quarterback, you know, for because Bruce has wholeheartedly, you know, endorsed Jameis. Um, but that doesn't mean it doesn't affect you know, where the Bucks will pick or who the Bucks will be able to pick. Because, you know, if you think that somebody trades up into the top five to grab a quarterback now because Kyler, they really want Kyler Murray, well, the Bucks are the last 
spot essentially before someone yeah i said that backwards but the bucks are basically the last spot to trade up into ahead of the giants who are probably the first team that would need a quarterback um so they're kind of in a prime spot if someone wants to trade up and get like kyler murray or something before the giants do so that certainly affects the bucks and how you know their draft will go so it's always good to know about some of these guys because there's these ancillary effects that happen. Well, and that's the fun of the draft. You never know what'll happen. Right. You could, you, out could, last year. <laughs> you could sign a free agent quarterback and invite him to your team's draft party and then draft his replacement right in front of him. That's just cold hearted. Yeah, uh, that would never happen. Never. <laughs> well, going to to somebody that is on on the Buccaneers as we speak under contract um, and has made quite a few headlines this off season is of course, Deshaun Jackson. What do you personally make of the comments that he's made in interviews about, you know, his, you know, his happiness or lack thereof and the, the desire to play for the Rams and, and things like that. Like is it at this point, is his relationship with the team irreparably damaged or is this one of those things where it's, it could be just a fleeting comment and because it's the off season and because, you know, a five and 11 finish left such a bitter taste in, in people's mouths that it's getting a little bit overblown. Yeah. I think that it's definitely overblown because I mean, Deshaun, he speaks his mind. And, and he said, you know, it's not, it's kind of an offhanded comment to him. I feel like, because who's going to be content where they're at, you know, when the team has gone five and 11, are there better ways to phrase that frustration? Absolutely. Um, But I don't think that, and you know, if you listen to the comment he said about playing for the Rams, he said down the road, like after my contract is up, all that kind of, it wasn't like an immediate thing. Like I want to go play for the Rams now. But he, I mean, he's from California. He, of course he wants to be close to home. The Rams are an exciting team. So saying down the road, I feel like, you know, but people will obviously grab onto the former part of that, you know, sentiment that he wants to go to the Rams. And it's like, all right, well, he said down the road. So I think that there's like, there's little things like that that make a big difference because that's the difference between an offhanded comment and something that's very purposeful. Saying I want to go to the Rams now is purposeful. Saying I want to go, I would, I would like to end up at the Rams eventually, you know, after my contract expires, whatever, so I could be back home. Now you're starting to get into kind of the offhandedness and just kind of the candidness of, you know, what he's saying. Um, and I think the frustrations are obviously warranted. Any competitor is going to want to, you know, be a part, an integral part of an offense that does well. Um, so it's frustrating for him to not be, you know, to not get the usage that he feels like, you know, he can be he, the, the, be the player that he can be. And then just the overall sentiment of, well, yeah, we went five and 11 last year. Who is going to be, these guys aren't one to sugarcoat things. So I understand the frustration, but I don't think it's the damage is irreparable by any means. And if anything, like, you know, you, ha- you do have a new coaching staff. Like, why wouldn't you be curious how you could fit in there, you know? Right. Right. Now, of course, you know, during, was it during Super Bowl week that Bruce Arians had said that he was, he was setting up a meeting with Deshaun and, and was looking forward to speaking with him and wanted him to come back and, and everything. Are you, uh, are you able to tell us whether or not that meeting has happened yet? Uh, I'm not, cause I don't know, um, if it has or has not. 
uh, for sure. So okay. I don't want to be spreading around rumors that I don't know are 100% <laughs> true. Um, That's fair. For the record, when I, um, if I do say something along those lines, uh, when it, whatever it happens to be, it's because I've heard it from that person that was involved. Like I'll, I won't even go off of like someone else saying like, oh, well, I heard that this happened. Even if they are internal and they're like, and they're the ones that heard it from that person. I don't even go like secondhand. It's like, no, I need to hear it from that person. If I'm going to be like, that happened. And I'm going to say, yep. you know, I'm going to say it publicly. That's fair. So Coach Arians has not told me that he met with Deshaun and Deshaun <laughs> has not told me he met with Coach Arians. So. This sounds, right. like sounds like a good policy, especially yeah. in, in yeah. business uh, that you're in. So Yeah, it's um, always what double and triple and quadruple check your your information before it goes public. Right, yeah. And and being part of the team um, itself, it, it kind of protects you in a lot of ways because a lot of times we're not the ones that break things anyway. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, it sounds a little bit like, I mean, Deshaun might just kind of be a victim of his own honesty, um, his own uh, his yeah. own willingness to be candid with people. Uh, which yeah. at the end That's of the day is really what most people want from players is, is honesty. Um, but then sometimes when we get yeah. it, we don't like it. Um, <laughs> right. And that's, and so then it's like, it's this vicious cycle of like, well, last time I, I was candid with you guys, y'all blew yeah. it out and said this and this and this and made this out of it. So I've got no incentive now to be, I mean, I don't wonder why a lot of guys are um, very tight lipped yeah. uh, because no one likes their words twisted around and used against them or, against you know their team or whatever so it's just it's hard right and then i mean speaking about the frustration i actually wrote uh something for bucks nation today that uh i'm assuming we'll publish tomorrow i'm not sure um that deshaun i mean deshaun's in, in the nfl a long time uh the worst mm-hmm. the worst record he's been a part of was a 4 and 12 season in washington but mm-hmm. this is the first time in his career he's been part of back-to-back losing seasons so right for a guy who's been doing this as long as he's been doing this to go this long. And, and this is a, this is new territory for him. This is the first time he's felt probably, you know, as, as part of a, of a, of a, of a struggle like this. And then to, to be part of a roster that is as talented as it is. Cause he even said that himself during the season in one of the interviews where there was a lot of quotes taken from him, buzzwords, he says in the same interview, but these weren't the words that were kind of taken uh, and, and ran with is that, we're too talented to be in this situation. Um, right. So it, that just makes it even more fr- frustrating. Like it, it, in some ways, if you're looking at your team and your locker room and you're like, man, we suck and we just suck. That's almost easier to accept than man, we suck, but we shouldn't, you know? Um, right. So I think that's where a lot of that comes from. So it's, that's a fair take. Yeah. And, and it's funny, like those aren't the comments that get dissected or, you know, spliced in a, in certain ways. It's like it's it's the controversial ones that you know right. could be taken in a, in a different way, but you don't include that context of, yeah, I'm frustrated because we're too good to do this, and that's a really good sentiment, and it's a true sentiment. So, right, um, Carmen. Last question for me tonight. Uh, combine again. Going back to the combine now. Um, what's your favorite drill? If you don't have a drill, what's your favorite position to watch? Just what are you really looking to see at the combine and like one or two prospects that you're really looking to see how they test? Um, well, I think, did I say before how I like big man forties? Cause that's still my favorite drill. I like oh yeah. yeah. I do remember I that. that uh huh. Yeah. Cause that's great. That's my favorite. Um, not for any sort of actual evaluation purposes, <laughs> but just cause I enjoy it. Um, as far as guys that I'm really interested to see, um, I 
am interested in the, the guy I wrote about today, Brian uh, Burns, because he's a defensive end where he's 6'5", but he's, like, his weight is only, like, 220-something. Um, and it's like, all right, so you're, like, built more like a basketball player at this point. But I have to think that between the time football season has ended for him and his and, like, coming up on the combine, I'm looking to see if he's going to end up putting on weight. I think that that would be interesting to see. Um, and then I really want to see Nasir Adderley. Um, I saw him at the Senior Bowl, obviously, but he – I just want to see how he tests. Because, if he t- like, I, I think he's really fast, and I would love to see him run, like, a sub-4-5, um, which I think is entirely possible. So – yeah, I think those are like two guys that I'm really interested to, to see because I think that you can get something from their actual testing because you're not going to see them, you know, in practice situations and how they go up against guys, which was the cool part about the senior bowl. Um, but what you can take from these measurables is obviously see if these guys can put like, you know, if if Burns puts on weight <laughs> with mm-hmm. that frame, like he, like he could be he could be something incredibly special. Um, provided he keeps his athleticism and bend and all that. So we'll see. I like those two guys now. I'm excited to see them. All right. Well, Carmen, we certainly appreciate uh, some of your time tonight, as we always do, because you are awesome. <laughs> Aw, guys. Hey. <laughs> well, in of course, I, I should have said this in the intro since I, you know, am, am running out of things to say to introduce you, but Uh-oh. you were the winner of the Social Butterfly Award. <laughs> I knew that was coming. It was really funny because like, and I really appreciate the sentiment behind everyone being like, you deserve it. Like, congrats. I got like a ton of comments about, you know, wonderful things that people were saying. And I was, I was very, that was, that made me feel very good. But these were like, essentially like, you know, those high school senior year superlatives. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, so they were just kind of like silly and, but it was funny and it was cool to see the fact because they are voted on by the organization. Like, like they send around a survey and you have to fill it out as to who would fit these things. And some people do like campaign for some of these awards, like best dress and like whatever. <laughs> um, they'll go around and be like, no, vote for me, vote for me. And like that came out of left field for me. I did not, like my, it was Jill that texted me because I wasn't even at the award ceremony yet because I was finishing up Byron's Q&A at the office. So I wasn't even there yet. And Jill, I get a text from Jill, and she's like, you won an award. And I was like, shut up. <laughs> and she's like, no, seriously. And I was like, what did I win? She's like, social media butterfly. And I was like, and I guess one of the comments, because people can write comments as to why they're voting for you. And I was like, well, any girl with two Instagrams and a Twitter kind of deserves it. <laughs> like, okay, that's fair. That's fine because I have my personal Instagram and I have my uh, my work Instagram. So right, and some people that overlaps with some people that I'm friends with and also work with. So people were apparently appreciative of that. So that's cool. And I'm trying to, you know, grow my grow my following and stuff on Twitter and and all that. So that made me feel good. Well, the the question that everyone wants to know the answer to is. When are we going to get a run rich run style competition between you, Scott, and Casey to see who runs the fastest 40? Oh, God. Casey runs. So Casey would absolutely win. But I do feel like I could take Scott. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, how about just you and Scott? (laughs) Yeah, no, I think I could take Scott. But Scott is like, Scott's pretty sneakily athletic. He used to play 
talk about being around an organization for like decades. Um, he, they used to have like a flag football and I think a softball league. Mm-hmm. And it was like him and the staff, but it wasn't just the staff. There were like players that played on these teams. Yeah, I remember him telling a story like, about uh, like, Joey Galloway playing softball with him. Oh, that's right. Yes. I remember that. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, and Scott is like, his his son plays flag football and he was like coaching it and like coming up with plays and stuff for it. And like, he was like, we were talking, he was talking to me at practice one day. He's like, yeah, I came up with this because I think this would work. And like, he was so into it. It was adorable. So he, but he like, he has like an athlete's like mind, which I'm sure is not shocking because obviously, you know, he's, he writes what he does and he's very, you know, X's and O's oriented. But I think that just, especially because of the age, I think I can still take him now. <laughs> See, I, I think Casey we did like a half it. marathon not too long ago. So I'm like, I, I'm not making any promises against Casey. <laughs> we need to set up like some sort of GoFundMe or something where the two of you race and we raise money <laughs> and whoever wins the pot gets donated to the Arians Family Foundation in oh, that person's name. I would yeah, I would be game for that. I would be game for that. 100% All right. goes for a good cause. We so. need to set it up. Scott versus Carmen. Brought to you by the Locked On Bucks podcast. I mean, this and sounds like a training camp the, event in the making. Yeah, it really does. And yeah, money goes right. to the Arians Family Foundation. We're gonna we're gonna get this in the works. Get Scott on board. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you you let me know how that goes. Oh, <laughs> uh, he'll say no to us. He won't say no to you. I think I think we no, need you to work no, on he this. Has absolutely no problem saying no to me. <laughs> No, no issue. <laughs> All right. Well, Carmen, again, we really appreciate some of your time tonight and, and anything going on over at Buccaneers.com. You know, we, we know you have your, your prospect primers, you know, that, that keep mm-hmm. coming. Anything else on tap that, that our uh, listeners can check out? Well, I mean, we're going to have a ton of combine coverage uh, coming up next week. And then Scott and I are working on, when it gets closer to the draft itself, um, highlighting position groups as a whole and just kind of doing a full kind of long-form breakout of each, you know, six or seven different position groups that the Bucks, you know, could kind of lean in, in these ways. Um, and that that's everything from the history, you know, of, at that position. And uh, like the last time they drafted a player in that position and, you know, who are the ones this year who are top five prospects this year at that position and how they would fit in all that good stuff. So we're working together on that. And I'm really excited about those kind of coming out. Awesome. Looking forward to all of it. So, yeah, make sure you're checking out everything that Carmen is doing over at Buccaneers.com and make sure you're following her on Twitter because she is the social media butterfly at Carmi V. That's C-A-R-M-I-E and the letter V. Make sure you're checking out everything David and I are doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. We're going to get this race to happen. David and I are going to work tirelessly to get this set up. And and we are going to have some fun with this. So again, Carmen, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you to each and every one of you for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks.
Don't know how to act without no vouchers or no boosters bringing nothing back.